Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This sermon is from our epic retreat, and in our fourth session, Dallas Greenaway teaches from Acts 2, verses 1 through 13, about how the Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost. Dallas talks about how the Holy Spirit is now within us and all of the different things the Spirit does when we let the Spirit work in our lives. Dallas challenges us to dig in and see how we sense the Holy Spirit leading us as we move out from the retreat. We hope you enjoy this message. This has been a really good weekend. Uh, admittedly, I'm not sure how long my voice is going to last, all right? So maybe we'll try to uh, try to make this a little shorter. But this, this whole weekend, I mean, hasn't it been incredible? Hasn't it been a good weekend? It really has. And I, I know I, I keep saying it, we keep saying it, um, but th- this has been a movement of some sort uh, of God, right? I mean, we saw people come from death to life last night. Um, we've seen people recommit their lives and maybe look up for the first time in a while and, and refocus on the cross, on Jesus, on what it is that, that matters most. Maybe there's been a movement in your relationships where maybe there's been some breakthroughs. Maybe, the, maybe it was tension, and now the tension has, has there, there's been a, just a, a punched hole in that tension, and you guys are moving forward in that relationship. Maybe, maybe it's just finding some sort of friendship here, right? Like you came and you didn't know many people, but somehow God put you in the right room with the right people or person, and now you're walking out of here with a buddy, for, for years to come, if not for the rest of your life. Um, I think that some of your leaders could point to things right now and say, yeah, I've seen God at work doing specific things in you just over the weekend. You know, some of these leaders have been with you for years now, a few of them. Like they've literally maybe walked with you from sixth grade to now eighth grade or from ninth grade to 11th grade. I mean, We've got some incredible leaders in here, and guys, they, they see you maybe better sometimes than you see yourself. Yeah. Give it up for the leaders. Yeah, we can cheer for that. They're so awesome. And if, uh, if they're not going to be your small group leader, and they're like, I, I, you know, I haven't decided yet, tell them, hey, you need to be my small group leader, okay? Like, rope them in for us, all right? That'd be really helpful. But, but the leaders can see movements in your own heart, maybe that, that you can't even see. So... I mean, maybe even something you can ask the leaders, not to put them on the spot, but kind of is like, maybe you can just ask them like, hey, are you seeing something this weekend about what God's doing in my life that maybe I'm not seeing? Maybe that's something that you can ask them in your small group. I mean, they're, they're seeing things whether, whether you realize it or not, and God is at work whether you realize it or not, even within this, this, last, this last day. Maybe it just hasn't connected for you, and maybe it will this morning. Uh, as we wrap up, I want to do basically just two things, all right? So if you fall asleep, I'll just tell you what we're going to do, and then you can, uh, you know, feel free to fall asleep. Just kidding. Don't, please. Um, but the first thing I want to do <clears throat> is I want to I just ask this question to all of us in the room, and it's where do you sense the Holy Spirit leading you? Where or how do you sense the Holy Spirit leading you? You know, all weekend Maybe you've just been feeling this tug and you're like, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe you can kind of see it's a little bit foggy and you, you have an idea. Or maybe you can see really, really clearly, right? Like maybe there was something specific like serving in a certain ministry or, or, or being a friend of a certain kid at school. 
whatever it is for you, maybe it's something specific, but how is God leading you, right? How is the Holy Spirit leading you this week? You may not have even realized it. You may have thought like, well, maybe I just kind of came up with that on my own, right? But I truly believe that God is speaking to you. And if you've been open, maybe if you've paused long enough in these sessions or in your small group or maybe solo time, I think you're hearing him and you may not even know it yet. And you're hearing him because of the second thing that I want to do this morning is talk a little bit about specifically the Holy Spirit, who he is, what some of the roles he plays in our life are, and what that means for you as you go home. Because whatever the answer to this question is, how is the Holy Spirit leading you? I want, I want you guys to get back and rest, right? But, but then I want you to go like full after that. See, I don't know if you realize this, uh, but we've been doing Epic for 13 years. It's a really long time. You may not have known it, but Epic is, has kind of been a movement in and of itself. God has done incredible things for 13 years, all here at Woodlands, all under this kind of banner name of Epic, right? And at times, he's breathed fresh life into it, and things have looked different than they have. In fact, this camp used to look way different. Uh, out of those 13 years, I've been here for 10 of them. It's pretty crazy, right? Hit my double digits. Just try to beat me. But 10 is a lot. And over, over the last 10 years, the cafeteria that we ate at, yeah, that used to be our chapel, right? We actually used to have our sessions. Some of you guys and girls remember that, some of you leaders. Uh, actually, I was on the very first epic, and people like Tanner Springate and Josh O'Neill, who were up here in the band, and Tyler Johnson and a few more were at that first epic. Like, some of us are here and can remember the, just how good God's been over the years. And it's not to say that the movement hasn't been with some bumps in the road because it certainly has, but this whole thing is something that's so much bigger than you and me and so much bigger than just one year. So the cafeteria used to be the chapel, you know, where they're doing construction across the lake. That was where the old cafeteria was. Uh, the, the bridge that maybe they need to replace some planks in because many of us have gotten splinters, right? That used to be an old rickety, just like one lane bridge it felt like, right? And uh, actually, my wife reminded me last night, this is kind of how, maybe how important uh, Epic has been to me, but I, I was so uh, captured by watching her serve God and serve people here that uh, one night I was, I was maybe, maybe crazy, maybe dumb, I don't know, but it, it just felt like the right timing. Um, I, it was the first time I told Brittany that I loved her, was here. And it was on... <laughs> And it was, it was on that bridge, and, and we, we saved it. Like, we didn't want to just flippantly use that word, but I was so just in awe of how she served people and how she loved and served God. That was like, I better lock it up right before, so let's, let's start using big words. No, don't, maybe don't take that, that path. But we, we, we said that for the first time on that rickety bridge. I mean, this is a place with memories. I actually, my hands are painted. It's so weird every time I see it. Uh, I lost my wedding ring this weekend in the lake, right? Uh, yeah, so, but I told Brittany, it's okay. You know, this is the place we said, I love you first. And so it's just now it's solidified. It's like in the nasty lake, like mushy uh, dirt and everything, right? Yeah, I know it is kind of sad. It was a $35 ring. Okay, we'll be okay. We'll be all right. We literally bought it with the knowledge that like Dallas doesn't wear jewelry. He's going to lose the ring at some point. Okay, so 
you know, again, just big brain thoughts. Yeah. Uh, but so I don't know why, but, but God decided now's a good time for that to fall off, I guess. So, but so, so 10 years, like a lot, the camp has changed. You may not realize this, but actually on the other side of the lake, this is just how good God's been to, to woodlands. On the other side of the lake, there's a bunch of trees over there, but actually if you could see through the trees, they've cleared out land because they're about to double this camp. In a, just a couple years, it's gonna open up where there's gonna be cabins and, and fields and those kinds of things, and, and they're literally gonna double, double the camp, which is amazing. Like God, God is very much on the move at Woodlands here at this camp and, and in Epic for all these 13 years. I kind of tried to do the math in my head and think, Okay, about how many different people just with Epic may have come in the last 13 years. And I think we can safely say that around 1,500 different people have come through Epic in the last, in the last 13 years. That's incredible. I'm counting students and leaders, like the, the whole thing. I think it's, we can easily say 1,500 different people have been here and experienced something similar, not exactly the same. God tends to tweak things from year to year, right? But I've experienced something similar to you. One of those was myself. And God in his grace has led me to the path where, man, I, I get to, to speak with you guys, to hang out with you, to be your shepherd. Like after 10 years of this thing. There's other people like those who are in the band who God used transformative weekends just like this one. And because of that, small part in their story they're doing things like leading us in worship. There's countless people I know who've come through in the 13 years and they're now leading their family to love Jesus. They're now working as, as doctors and nurses and business people and working for nonprofits. They're working all over the place in Greenville, all over America, and some of them even around the world. And, and they're being a light in the darkness. And God used weekends just like this one here on this same holy ground, if we can use that term. And did something in their heart, stirred something, planted some seed that he's used in some way and, and now is using them where, wherever they are. I mean, you, you may not have realized this, but, but it's bigger than us. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than this, this weekend. It's, it's a movement. And, and more, than, more than that, more than just epic, right? You may not have realized this, but, but you're a part of a massive movement of God that is the church. You know, this morning we celebrated three birthdays, and guys, I literally had no idea they were going to do that Old Town Road remix for my birthday last night, but it made me so happy. Um, <laughs> But I did want to get off the stage. I don't know if you saw me, like, kind of getting to the back, and then Rachel came behind me and was like, nip, and just pushed me forward. I don't know what to do in situations like that. But um, we, we, so we're celebrating birthdays, and maybe your birthday's in August or September as well, and it's coming up. But you may not have known that, that there's actually a time where a lot of people say, this is the birthday of the church. This is where the church was birthed. This is where the movement that is God's church began. And it's at a place called Pentecost, right? It's a day called Pentecost Pentecost, in Jerusalem. It's where people say the birth of the church occurred. Why do they say that? 
we're going to read about it, but it's because that's when the Holy Spirit came to dwell within people. So turn in your Bibles. You can go ahead and go to Acts chapter 2, all right? We're going to actually be looking at the birthday of the church. We're looking at the birthday of this movement. But before we get there, here's, here's where I'm going to take us. And you can look on the screen for this part. I just didn't want to make you flip too much in your Bibles. But John 20, right? John 20, chapter 22. Here's kind of the, the setting. is Jesus. <laughs> hey, there it is. It's going, guys. Gee. Uh, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus has been crucified. He's died, buried, and then he rises again, right? Three days later. Rises again, comes out of the grave. The stone is rolled away when, when the ladies get there in the morning, and Jesus is back from the grave. He's walking around, kind of like moving through doors and walls somehow. Not quite sure how he did that, but, but he's showing up to people. He's letting, letting people put their, their fingers in his scars, like see that this is real. Like he, he's going and he's appearing to people for about 40 days, right? And one of the the last places that he appears is to most of his disciples, not all of his disciples, but he he does that in John chapter 20. And he says something interesting that I think will help tie this entire weekend together. Everything that we've talked about. John chapter 20, verse 22. He says, uh, well, actually, we'll start in, in 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. So he's kind of leaving them, hey, this last thing, remember, this is, this is what we're going after now. I'm sending you just as God has sent me here. Now you're going in my place, right? You're going right behind me. Verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. We've talked a little bit about breathing in here, right? Uh, heavy breathing, as well as just breathing in and right? Like, we've talked about that. You can't make this stuff up, right? It's, it's beautiful. If you've ever really started to dig into the scriptures, pretty much everything is, like, pointing towards each other, right? Everything in the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus and the promise of him coming. Everything in the New Testament is pointing back to Jesus and the reality that he came, and in this moment, here's what Jesus is doing as he breathes on them. That's kind of a weird thing. We don't quite know if he like went up to all of them and just was like, <gasps> right? Like, Jesus, did you just eat some larvettes or something? Like, we're not quite sure. Or if he just went and was like, Peter, right? <laughs> John, I don't know. Probably not, okay? But in some symbolic way, in some symbolic way, Jesus breathes on them. And says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he's pointing back to everything we've talked about this weekend and everything we read about in the Old Testament, all the way from Genesis where, where God literally, his exhale is Adam's first inhale. Man, in my mind, it didn't make sense at first when I heard Matt say that and I had to like, you know, rewire my brain. I don't know why I couldn't handle those words at the moment, but think about that. God's exhale of life was Adam's first inhale of life. His first breaths were from God. God breathes life into everything, breathes life into man, right? And then we have dry bones, breathing happens there. Like every, all throughout the Old Testament, we see this, this reminder of, 
of breath. Breath meaning life. And, and breath being spirit, right? So Jesus, in a symbolic way, breathes on his disciples, pointing back to all of that stuff in the Old Testament that they knew very well. But he also points forward. See, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he's not actually talking about what's happening right there, I don't think. And a lot of scholars don't think. Because all the disciples weren't together yet, and Jesus hadn't left. And we know that Jesus said it at one point in the Gospels. He said, hey, it's better that I leave you because when I leave you, a helper will come. But he's still here. See, he's pointing back, but he's also pointing forward. Receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Holy Spirit. And when's it going to happen? At the birthday of the church. Acts 1 Verse 8, something kind of cool happens. Jesus keeps talking about the Holy Spirit that they're going to receive. Wait, we're going to get to Acts 2, right? But 1-8 is going to appear on the screen. It should be just a flip over in your Bibles. And in, in Acts 1-8, so remember, Jesus, in, in the John passage we just read, he's already died, he's already come back, he's walking around for about 40 days between his death and what we're, what we're in right now in Acts 1, which is his ascension, Right? Right before Jesus ascends, and literally when we talk about ascend, I mean, you, you can read it in Acts 1, but it's literally like Jesus ooh, just ascends, and a cloud hides him. And then at that point, the disciples can't quite see where he went, like, which way is heaven, right? They're just looking around trying to figure out, did he go left or did he go right? Like, as soon as we get in an airplane, we can just follow him there, or like a rocket ship or something. But, but Jesus literally ascends into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father is what we know. And right before he ascends, right? He mentions the Holy Spirit again in Acts 1.8. Here's what he says, but you will receive power, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? So you remember he said, receive the Holy Spirit, but now he's saying when the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it hasn't quite happened yet, right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, so Jesus, again, talking about this promise. There's plenty of other places we could go where Jesus talks about this promise. And it's almost like, you know, maybe the disciples still didn't have a really good idea of what he was talking about. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't, right? Jesus, over and over and over again, he talked about, hey, there's going to come a time when I'm going to die, but then I'm going to be raised again. And it was not until it actually happened that the disciples believed him, right? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about, like, Jesus... The people that he spent the most time with were these disciples. You could say that they were pretty good friends. Imagine if one of your best friends kept saying something like, hey, I'm going to die, right? But then I'm going to come back, and it's going to be awesome, right? Like, can you imagine if one of your closest friends said that? You would be like, oh, okay, they're, they're going on this track again, right? Like, this is, this is getting a little out of hand, but uh, I love you. I support you. Um, you know, your nails are painted blue. I don't know what you're doing with that, but yeah, I love you until it actually happens. Until it actually happens. And then everything they said about that and everything else means a lot more. Because he comes back and he says, put your fingers in my scars. See where they pierced me with the nails. You kind of start to believe, all right, this guy might really be who he said he was, right? And now Jesus, he, he keeps alluding to, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come. 
And I can imagine that the, the disciples didn't quite get it, but they're starting to realize, probably should put my trust that some sort of something is going to happen, right? Some sort of something's going to happen. And he, this is something important about what Jesus says right here. In Acts 1-8, what does he say? He says, but you will receive power. That's an important word. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power. The, this is kind of a, a fun thing, right? But, but the, the word for power in Greek, so Old Testament was like written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Okay, maybe keep that locked away for Jeopardy one day when you get there. And then uh, New Testament was written in Greek, right? Obviously, it's since been translated because we're not reading in Greek. But, but, but in the Greek, the word for power is dynamis. Say dynamis. Yeah. What, is, what does dynamis sound like? It Sounds like dynamite, right? Maybe you've heard that before. That's literally, that's the word that we get our, our word dynamite from, is this word dynamis. It's power. It's explosive. It's huge. It's a big deal. Jesus is saying, and it wasn't quite connecting yet with the disciples, that the same power, the same dynamite, dynamis power that raised me from the dead is about to come and dwell in you. You've been walking with me. You've seen me do all these miracles. None of them have been done on my own. They've been done through the power of God. The same power that, that Jesus was doing miracles with, that he raised Lazarus from the dead with, that same power was about to come and dwell within his followers. Now, I really don't think they quite understood that, right? Right? But that's amazing. But it's not just true for them. It's also true for us. We're gonna keep talking a little bit about what that means, but let's, let's keep reading and see the, the birthday of the church, all right? So Jesus ascends that whole cloud thing, like gets hidden behind a cloud. Where did he go? We don't know, but he's, he said he was gonna go be with the Father, right? So that's where he went, to be seated at the right hand of God. And now the disciples get together with a group of people and they're like, all right, well, I guess, I guess we're gonna wait this thing out. So they wait for about nine or 10 days, right? They end up traveling to Jerusalem because it was time for one of their yearly festivals, a festival called Pentecost. And uh, this festival, it was a reminder of Moses, or, uh, yeah, of Moses when he led um, the Israelites through the, through the Red Sea, brought them to the other side and come to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, what Matt was talking about just the other, other day, right? And it was, it was in remembrance of when Moses was given the Ten Commandments and when this old covenant was set in place. The old covenant being this, that if you obey my commandments, then the Lord will bless you, right? If you obey, if you obey the law, then, then all is good. That's the basics of the, the old covenant, right? So people would come together in Jerusalem to celebrate that. Also part of this festival was bringing the first fruits and asking God, hey, here's the first, here's, here's the first of what I have. Will you bless the rest? So it was like a celebration. It was a festival. It was a big deal. People would come from all over the place. And, and these guys, about 120 men and women, including Jesus' family, went and, and actually stayed in a house together. And for a few days, they, they waited for the Holy Spirit, for the promise to be fulfilled, for the power, maybe not quite understanding what that meant or what it would mean for them to come upon them. And while they were waiting, they, 
they did some things like they elected a 12th disciple, remember, because Judas is, is, is now out, right? Like uh, he actually ended up uh, killing himself. And, and now we need to raise up another guy. So they, they kind of vote on another guy. And, but a lot of what they did was actually praying. They prayed. In fact, in, in Acts 1, it says that they devoted themselves to prayer, that while they were waiting, even though they didn't have all the answers, even though they didn't quite know what it means, that we're going to get the dynamis, the power, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, they prayed. And they asked that God would show up. And it got me thinking, like, every great movement of God, like, there's been some incredible movements. If you've ever heard of a guy named Billy Graham who literally ended up sharing the gospel with like over a billion people before he was dead. It's crazy, right? He just passed away a few years ago at the young age of 100, right? I mean, every, every great movement started somewhere, started small. And typically, it started with God meeting people right where they were and people responding to him and oftentimes responding to him in prayer. And for this 120, maybe you didn't catch this, but, you know, Jesus, he, he literally, like, he spoke to thousands of people. He healed a bunch of people. Like, we don't even know all the people that he healed. And he, and he had three years of ministry. And when the three years were said and done, not 120,000, not even 50,000, not even 1,000, but 120 devoted followers were left. It's not great numbers, if we're being honest. Like there's almost 300 of us here with students and leaders, and yet at the end of Jesus's ministry, his three, Jesus, the Son of God, there were 120 people left waiting in this room for the promised Holy Spirit. Again, a lot of times we think a movement has to be this massive just thousands of people, or Billy Graham, that's a real movement. Like a billion people, you told over a billion people about Jesus in some way, shape, or form. We think that that is the movement that we're talking about. But no, a lot of times the movement in the kingdom of God is something that's slow, it's steady, and a lot of times it's small. But this 120, as soon as they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, like we're about to read in a second, it changed everything. Their lives, and now some fire, some wind started happening, and, and literally thousands of lives were changed afterwards, right? So 120 people are devoted to prayer. This is, in a lot of ways, the beginning of the church, right? We're about to see the Spirit come on them. And so I guess my question to us is, how devoted are you and I to praying, in our world, it feels like everything is just flying a billion miles an hour. Everything. You know, with, with the breathing and everything, it kind of made me think about meditating. And there's some, some funny, uh, funny things happening in our world where people are all about, like, meditating. And there's even apps for that. Um, but you know what I actually heard? Like, so th there's this big push for, like, hey, you need, to, you need to take time. You need to just be by yourself. You need to just be, like, in your thoughts. And you need to focus on your breath and all this stuff. And here's what I've actually found because this is how our world works. There's a study that came out recently that, that looked at thousands of people who had used, you know, apps to, to meditate. 
to really like center themselves and focus themselves in this busy, chaotic world. You know what the studies found? That every, or, or that a large percentage, like way over half, I think it was like 70% of people who use those apps were actually more stressed out when they used them than less stressed out. Our world is desperately in need of rest. And the one place that you'll find true rest is with God. They devoted themselves to prayer. And I think it begs the question for us, how, how devoted are, are we to prayer? Do we make space in our day to shut off the phones, to shut off the music, the podcasts, Netflix, YouTube? Do we make space to get away even for just a few moments from the people in our lives so that we might just be with the Father? so that we would let him speak to us, let him be the one who provides our, our true rest. I think that, that just starting there, maybe that's your thing for this week. What's the Holy Spirit leading you to? Maybe you've just felt him saying, hey, you need to be with me. You need to be with me. You need to get away from everything. If, if you've been feeling that, maybe you've recognized it because, hey, your phone's been in your cabin all weekend and you've actually been present with the people around you. Or maybe just getting away from home and, and having some space a little bit more to yourself. You've been able to focus on what's being taught in the sessions or talked about in your small group. Maybe that's what God is tugging on your heart for this week. Is that when you get back, he wants you to follow the footsteps of the first 120 of the church and devote yourself to prayer. I think you're going to find true rest and true life in those moments with just you and God. So they're in, this, they're in this house, they're in this, this building, right? And they're waiting for the promised Holy Spirit and he does, in fact, show up. I mean, that's why we're talking about it this morning. Verse one of chapter two in the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, right? This 120. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. There it is, team wind. And it... <laughs> And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, right? So all of a sudden, these people, 120 of them, just this massive rush of wind, right? You thought that we just made up these teams, but no, we, we pulled them out of the scriptures, right? The wind, I, and, and maybe we can just pause right here for a second. I don't know if you've ever met, typically it's been older, like grandparents in my life or or people who are of grandparent age, and they're always like, you know, I've got these wind chimes at my house because every time the wind comes by, I wanna be reminded that the Holy Spirit is with me. I think in the same way that our breath can be a reminder of the one who's given it to us, man, what if, what if every time when you felt a cool breeze on your face, especially on a hot day, or when you heard the wind chimes coming through, what if every time you, you experienced some movement of wind, you were reminded, oh yeah, he's with me. Oh yeah, he's there. Oh yeah, he's more than just at my fingertips, but he's actually dwelling inside of me. That's what we're about to see in just a second. I think, man, God's given us these images for a reason. I think it's in large part to remind us of who he is. So wind comes, fills the entire house where they were sitting. Verse three, and divided tongues of fire. There it is, fire. Divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Now, when I first 
like ever, not, not real recently, but when I first ever, I was like, a tongue of fire? Like that sounds really painful, right? Like why would God set their tongues on fire? But most people think that it literally was like a little, a little flame, a little tongue, just kind of seated on their head. It's kind of funny, kind of weird, right? But in the same way that, that wind ought to be a reminder I think that God's giving us this image of fire to do the same thing. He wants, he wants these things to be a reminder of who he is. You know, the funny thing with, with the wind, for instance, if, if you're a leaf in the wind, you know what happens? Like, you got no chance. You're just going where the, leaf, where the wind leads you, right? You get to fly along, you're hopping in the wind, and the wind takes you away. And I think in a similar way, the Holy Spirit is like that. That when you're caught up in the wind of the Holy Spirit, when you're just following where he's taking you, you've kind of you got no say in it, right? You're just riding along with it, a happy little leaf. The fire, I think, in some ways is a representation of, of God being the one who purifies us, right? Purifies us, makes us, us holy. These images both should be reminders, both wind and fire. No team is really better than the other team, okay? So wind, wind and fire. So they experienced both of these things. And in verse four, here's what it says. And they, all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So wind comes, fire sits on their head, and all of a sudden they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what it makes me think of. I brought my romper to show this. Matt had a jacket later or or earlier. In the Old Testament, remember what Matt said, the very first little session we had. The Spirit came upon, right? Came on. On, on, on. At some points, God took it off, but mostly God was putting the Spirit on people. Jesus comes along, and, and get this, maybe this is where the romper's helpful, right? But Jesus comes, oh, I should have zipped it. Jesus comes along And now he's with, literally Emmanuel, God with us, right? He was walking beside people. He was healing people. He was touching people. Uh, He was, you know, people could physically see him. He's with them. Now the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2, the birthday of the church, and comes within people, right? I can't really make this, I guess, if I put it on my shirt, but he comes within people. Do you see the progression there? On, on, on. Sometimes God would take it off. Jesus comes and is with people. And now continuing to go further, now God is within people. The Holy Spirit is within. And what happens when this occurs? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes within the people? Something miraculous. They begin to speak in tongues. I know that's kind of like a a weird thing in the church. Like we don't often talk about that, especially at fellowship. Some churches talk about it more than others. But here's what what I believe is happening here. And we're going to see in just a second exactly what's happening. But they're they're not just speaking in in gibberish or they're not speaking in a language that, that other people can't understand, right? Or just like a prayer language kind of thing. Even though I think that that is, is totally uh, possible and there's maybe some evidence for that in other places in the scripture. Right here, they are speaking in languages that are the languages of the people around them. How do we know? Because if we continue reading, we find that out. Verse five, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia, this is where it gets weird, right? Uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Here's what's happened. Holy Spirit comes, something miraculous happens. They're now speaking in different languages that aren't their own. Why would God do this? Why would he do it? Because they're in Jerusalem for Pentecost and literally people from all over, all the known area would have come in for this celebration and they would have been speaking different languages. God gives them his Holy Spirit, gives them the dynamite power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead so that they could fulfill the purpose of telling other people about him. So immediately when the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they start talking, they start teaching, they start, they start preaching, they start telling people about Jesus. And all these other people from all these different parts of the, the, the known world, they look on and they're amazed. They can't believe it. What is happening? How do these people know our language? Maybe an extra little, little nugget in here is that they, they say, how, how is it that these Galileans are speaking our language? See, Galileans were not typically the most educated people. God doesn't always choose the best and the brightest. Oftentimes he chooses the lowest, maybe the weakest, to fulfill his purposes. And how are they able to do it? Because of the Holy Spirit coming to live within them. Because of the power of God dwelling within them. That's the only reason they know the languages that they know. That's the only reason they're, they're maybe teaching as clearly about Jesus as they can. That, that's what, you know, the people, maybe they heard them talking in their languages, but maybe they also heard that rushing wind, right? Maybe they also heard the movement of the Holy Spirit, and they, they come and they gather around, they're like, what's happening? And as they do that, they're hearing the gospel preached in their midst, this is the birthday of the church, Pentecost. This is the birthplace. This is the birth of the church. This is the birth of the movement that whether you realize it or not, you and I are a part of. Why is this important for us? Because the same Holy Spirit that gave them the ability to speak in tongues they did not know, the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, that same power, the same power that later on, if you keep reading in the book of Acts, a guy named Peter gets up and teaches and 3,000 people are saved and baptized in one day. The same power that at some point, just a handkerchief, people wanted to touch a handkerchief of one of the apostles, right? Just so they could be healed. That same power dwells within you and me if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The same power that took 120 people in this room and as you read through Acts, dispersed many of them throughout the known region. That same power is within you and me right now on this trip, on this weekend, and as we go home. They were 120, we're about 300, right? 
That same power goes with us as we disperse to all of our schools and all of our neighborhoods and all of our sports teams and all of our, our friend groups, all of the, the places in the future where God's gonna put us working. That same Holy Spirit, that same dynamis, dynamite power of God lives within you and me. So real, real quick, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're, now you're gonna speak in tongues? Maybe, but... Maybe not, right? I actually do know people who've gone to other countries, had very little knowledge of the language. But when they got into conversations with people about Jesus, somehow all of a sudden they're fluent in Spanish. Somehow all of a sudden they're fluent in German. And then they come back and I'm like, well, can you count to like 50 in German? Nope, not a bit, right? Can you say, like, can you tell me what you told them? Nope. It's the Spirit working. He still does things like that. So maybe it'll happen for you, maybe it won't. But, but more likely, you'll probably experience some of the things that I'm gonna list off real quick and then we're gonna wrap up, sing a song or two and end this thing out, right? These are some of the roles of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit now dwells within us, that we have the power of God? Here's some of the things that happen. And if you like lists, then that's good because I'm giving you one, right? He convicts us of sin. What is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does? He lets us know when we've sinned. He draws it to the service. He brings it to our attention. Oftentimes, well, pretty much all the time, he's gracious enough to not show us all of our sin at one time, right? But throughout our lives, he lets us see a little bit more of our sin and and calls us to repent, to turn from it, and to set our, our hearts and minds fully on God. He permanently indwells us. That's what we've been talking about this morning, is, is that, that he comes now to live within us, right? Permanently. If you are a son or daughter of God, no matter how many times you, you cuss, right? No matter how many times you, you try to, to maybe run away from God, God is, the Holy Spirit permanently dwells within you. You are a son of God. In fact, uh, the third, the third one says he seals us. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, that, that is confirmation enough that you are a son or daughter of God. One of the things I know many of you struggle with is you're like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saved. If you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you are his and there's nothing that you can do to take that away. He teaches us, right? So he lets us be able to read the scriptures more clearly. Sometimes when we're sitting alone, and maybe you do find time once you get home to just sit and be with God, sometimes he's gonna be the one who just brings, brings things to mind and, and reminds us, like one of those says down there. He reminds us of things, or maybe he, he, he teaches you about things in a certain situation, whether it's a valley circumstance in your life or or a mountaintop one, right? He, he teaches us. He teaches us from the scriptures and shows us, helps us see what God's doing in our lives. He guides us into all truth. I think that one's uh, a little bit self-explanatory, but he helps us be able to actually read and interpret the scriptures uh, well. Like he can guide us and, and let us know what it is that we're actually reading. I don't know if you can remember a time when you weren't a Christian and you were reading the Bible, but I do, and it was a mess, right? Like I literally would read the Bible, and I had no idea what it was saying. And the strangest thing happened when I trusted Christ is now these things are making sense. Why is that? I'm reading the same words. I, I literally pretty much had the same reading comprehension, but the, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and opens our eyes to actually be able to understand what he's saying. It's crazy. 
Uh, he reminds us of things. So just like maybe we were talking about this morning, he may be the one who says, hey, remember the wind. Remember that I'm with you. Remember the fire. Remember your, your breath. Sometimes this means that he brings scripture to your mind. Sometimes it means he brings a sermon or a song to your mind. He reminds us of true. He bears fruit through us. Man, I'm a pretty messed up person. Like, I know it. And yet, time and time again, I see God, in his grace, choosing to work through me and actually have something good come out. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He comforts us. Man, this is one we need. You want to talk about the anxiety you have, the, the depression, the loneliness, the fear. The Holy Spirit is the one who, if you turn to him, he's a comforter. He can bring peace that surpasses all understanding. Literally, it doesn't make sense. You may be in one of the scariest valleys of your life, and yet you could experience the most comfort in your life because of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that provides that comfort. He equips us with spiritual gifts. Do you know this? There's some things that you're just naturally gifted at. You're naturally, like, maybe more athletic or, like, you're a little bit smarter. But there are spiritual gifts that are talked about throughout the Bible, and those are given by the Holy Spirit. Like, you, you may not even know you're able to do this thing, and then all of a sudden you, you trust Christ, and you're like, wow, like, I think that's me. And he, he's the one who gives those spiritual gifts. And then he empowers us, which is that verse we read in Acts chapter 8. Literally, the dynamite, the dynamis power of God now lives within you. So we're about to leave for this weekend. This is the last session. We've got like three more minutes and I'm done. And, and I know you're, you're going to come, you're going to experience this. You're going to come from a mountaintop moment. You've had maybe one of the most incredible weekends of your life, right? Got to play all these crazy games, and, you know, maybe your team ends up winning, and you heard some incredible messages, and, and man, you did this disco thing. Like, you've had one of the, the, the best weekends of your life. And you get home, and you're able to ride the wave for a little bit, and you're like, man, this week has just been so good, but it's because it's a four-day week, right, at school, and so you don't actually have that fifth day in there. And you're riding it still like it's been so good. Next weekend comes, you're like, man, I get to be with those people again. You're still riding it. But as, as the weeks come, what, what always happens is that we come down from that mountaintop moment. And then what? For a little bit, you had this sense of purpose, a sense of mission. Maybe you had uh, what felt like a tight community around you. And now what? That, that all that seems to be gone. The now what in this is that we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us. That at any moment, you can turn to God himself and experience all of these things and more that he is the one who can guide you through the valley and guide you through the mountaintop moment and, and beyond. That he is always with you, that he will never leave you or forsake you. He is permanently with you. He is the one when you're wondering what's next, he's the one that you go to and you ask for answers. The now what is this, is that now as we go back to, our, to our, the, the places that God has put us, wherever that is for you, 
The now what is that the same purpose that God empowered the people in Acts 2 to fulfill, to tell others and show others who our God is, that is now our purpose. And how do we do it? In a lot of ways, we don't have to. It's the Holy Spirit within us. So I ask the question, how is the Holy Spirit leading you? Because, because that, that's, like, that's the whole thing. That's where it all comes from. However he's leading you, be that little leaf in the wind and go with the flow. However he's leading you, if he's leading you to give things up, to maybe spend less time on your phone or maybe spend less time with that group of people. If he's calling you to strip things away, maybe it's because he's using his purifying fires and making, as James says, making you more perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. This is the whole becoming part of our belong, believe, become. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your life that doesn't end this weekend. And he wants to do it in a way that makes you become more and more like Jesus. And as he does it, with your words and with your actions, you're showing the world who the true king is, what the real reason for life is, where rest and peace and comfort truly come from. It's from him. It's from him. He goes with you. He's literally, he he dwells within you. That's the Holy Spirit. And whenever the Holy Spirit shows up, a movement happens. That's the movement. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. We can never stop thanking you for what you've done this weekend. There are ways that you've opened our eyes. Maybe we don't even realize it yet. Would you help us to over the next few days, put the pieces together of what happened this weekend. God, would you constantly remind us that the Holy Spirit is with us as we go, that it's through his power that we can fulfill the purposes you've put into our lives. God, you are better than we know. You're the best. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit.